with us. All right, we want to move to our message this morning, and our message is entitled, Meeting the Risen Savior. Meeting the Risen Savior. Trust that you picked up a fill-in sheet as you came in this morning, and follow along with us today. Here's the first point I would give you. The power of the resurrection is that Jesus is alive and you can meet him for yourself. That's what it's all about. That's what separates us from everyone else. There's all kinds of religions in the world that would tell you to believe this and act a certain way and follow these uh, procedures and ceremonies, all kinds of things. But there's only one, and that's what lifts us above being a, relation, or a religion, and that is that we have a risen Savior. We have an empty tomb. And there are some implications as a result of that. And that is that Jesus is alive. He's not dead. We're not just trying to follow teachings that he gave so long ago or try to you know, follow his example. But we have a living Savior. He's alive today. He's here in this place. Jesus is here. Now, he's not here in physical form. The scripture says he would come by his Holy Spirit. But it's Christ here. His Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, is in this place this morning. And as a result of that, you can meet him for yourself. You can meet him. It's not just to know about him. Just be taught about him. But you can meet him for yourself. Now this is fantastic. This is what it's all about. Don't miss this. To meet the risen Savior. It makes all the difference. We find the story, and I won't go into this at any depth, but we find the story in Luke 24 after the resurrection that two disciples were walking to Emmaus they didn't realize it, but this stranger joins them, and it's really Jesus, but they don't realize it is Jesus. And he makes this statement to them in Luke 24, 17, and he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Here the disciples have heard the news of the resurrection, they're talking to one another. They're saying, now, you know, did you know that Mary came to us and told us that, that uh, the tomb was empty? And they're talking about this, and they're trying to sort it all out. And as they're walking, Jesus notices, you're sad. There's no exuberance. There's no joy. There's no excitement. There's no implications of a risen Savior. They're just talking about the facts. And now this is what can happen to us as Christians if we just know the facts of the resurrection, but we've never met the risen Savior. We can have these facts, we can try to understand it, but there can be a sadness that comes over us. It's, there's no expression of the joy that should be there because as of yet these disciples had not met the risen Savior. But they travel the seven miles, they get to Emmaus, and the disciples say to this stranger, they still don't know it's Jesus, they say, well, you know, the day's getting on now, and uh, uh, it's getting late, so why don't you just come in and stay with us? So Jesus goes in, he stays with them. 
But in the breaking of the bread, as, as Jesus prays and breaks the bread, the scripture says their eyes were open and they recognized it was the Lord and he disappears in front of them. What did the disciples do then? Well, it's getting late. I guess we better get to bed. Were they sad still? No, the scripture says they jumped up and they went the whole seven miles back to Jerusalem. I mean, they were saying you can't go any further. It's late in the day. Now they go back the whole seven miles, and this is what it says in verse 33. So they rose up that very hour, returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to us. The Lord is risen and he's appeared. They met the risen Savior. And because they met the risen Savior, it made all the difference. It wasn't just the facts. It wasn't just the knowledge. They had actually met the risen Savior. And it brought joy, excitement, enthusiasm. It's just not the Lord is risen. No, the Lord is risen indeed. There's an indeed that comes to it because of the knowledge that they had met him. Now, folks, this has implications for us today because Jesus is still alive and though we may not see him in a physical form but he is here and we need to be careful that we're not Christians that are sad knowing the the gospel knowing the facts even discussing it with other people but there's no joy there's no excitement there's no enthusiasm that comes by knowing the risen Savior. We are to be witnesses of the things we have seen and we have heard and have experienced. So he wants us to meet the risen Savior. It makes all the difference in the world. Now, I want to direct your attention to Mark 16 and verse 9. It was early on Sunday morning when Jesus came back to life. And the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. Now this scripture tells us the very first person that met the risen Savior was Mary Magdalene. These disciples saw him, but it was after Mary Magdalene. The scriptures specifically tell us she was the first one to see the risen Savior. Now, some of you will be familiar with this uh, term, and it's called the law of first mention. This is just an understanding that Bible scholars have that whenever something is first mentioned in the scripture, usually it gives the basic underlying understanding of, of, the, of the thing, of the first thing. And so you can just trace it that when something is first mentioned in the Bible, in that first mention, it lays out some of the basic principles and understanding about it. So I was reading that this week, that she was the first person to see the risen Savior, and I thought to myself, I should read through that portion of Scripture again and just see what it says, because probably in Mary's meeting of Jesus are some basic understandings that we could glean today to help us to meet the risen Savior and have that same kind of experience that Mary had. And so I read through, and sure enough, these characteristics came out. And so 
What are the characteristics that Mary exhibited? Let's just go through them. Number one, she had a pressing desire. She had a pressing desire. Here's how it opens. Now, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. There was something that was inside of Mary that didn't allow her to sleep that night. She got up before everyone else. She got up early. She got up while it was still dark. There was something inside her, a pressing desire, a pressing need, an urgency. She wanted to get to the tomb. She wanted to get to where they had put Jesus. She wanted to go there. And I just want you to know that this is a characteristic of everyone who sees the risen Savior. It starts with a desire, a hunger, a longing that causes you to do things you normally wouldn't do. Things that make you out of your way. You're sort of pressed out of your way to uh, do something that you normally wouldn't because something is urging you and prompting you from the inside. Have you ever experienced that? Do you remember back when you first heard about Jesus? Was there something within you that just caused you to, to hunger for it in such a way that caused you to do some things you weren't doing before? Something that other people weren't doing, but there was something that was driving you towards it. Here's the second characteristic. She was open about her search. Listen to what it says. Then, after she went and she saw that the stone had rolled away and the tomb was empty, she, it says, then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. As soon as she has this search for Jesus, she is open about it. She's sharing it. She wants to share it with others. She's saying, you know, I want to find Jesus. I don't know where he is. Where I thought he was, he's not there. And he, she begins just to tell other people about it. And I, I see this many times in people. How did they, they first come here? Well, someone told them or they asked someone, well, what, what they're inquiring. They, they have a hunger in their heart and they're asking about it and they're reading books and they're going here and they're going there. It, it's not something that's secret. They're open. They have a hunger for the Lord and they, want, they have a driving, they, they have a sense there's something more than what we've experienced and as a result of that, it drives them and they're talking about it and they're searching with others trying to find the way. You know, there's a verse in Jeremiah 29, 13. It says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You know, there's no danger that as you have this search and desire to know the Lord, to see him, to meet him personally, you're going to meet him personally if you seek for him with your whole heart where there's a drive and a hunger within you that, that's pressing you to go out of the ordinary. And, and you're talking and you're going places and you're discussing things. It, and, and it's a wholehearted search. 
It can't be indifferent. It can't be, well, okay, I'll, I'll look into that later. No, it's something that consumes you. It presses you. You want to know Jesus. You want to know about him. You have this sense that I, I, there's more to this than what I've experienced. You might know the facts of the resurrection. You might be able to, to be, even be called a Christian, but there's something in you that says, I want more of the Lord. There's something deeper for me. And the Bible says, if you will search him, seek him with your whole heart, with all your heart, you're going to find him. Now, that brings us to the third characteristic. When others left, she lingered. So when she tells the disciples, we pick up the story in verse 3 and then move to verse 6. Therefore, therefore, or Peter therefore went out and the other disciples, and they were going to the tomb. Then Simon Peter came, followed him, following him, and went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloth lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the, the tomb first went in also. Now we drop down to verse 11. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes, but Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. A characteristic of those that meet the risen Savior is they linger when others go back to their normal activities. Disciples had been with Jesus. They had followed Jesus. They were interested too. But they went to their homes. Thinking about this, went to their homes. But Mary lingered and she's crying she's moved there's a desire within her she doesn't want to go back home she hasn't found him yet there's something more she's standing at the last place they have laid him at the tomb she lingers there's something about tearing there's something about waiting upon the Lord. Nothing's happening, but your hunger just says, just wait, just wait, just stay here, just keep pressing in. I don't want to go home and resume my normal activities. I just need to wait in his presence. You know, there's an Old Testament example of this in Exodus chapter 33. And it's when Moses was leading the children of Israel. It says that he set up a tent outside the camp. And they called the tent the tent of meeting. And if you read the story in Exodus, Moses would go out and enter the tent of meeting. Then the presence of the Lord would come down and settle over the tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses Face to face. Now, here's the verse in Exodus 33, 11. The Lord would speak to Moses personally as a man speaks to his friend. Then Moses would come back to the camp. But his assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, stayed inside the tent. 
There's something in Joshua's heart. He's there as he's observing with everyone else. He sees Moses enter the tent. He sees the presence of the Lord come down over the tent. And there, Moses is meeting with God personally. And then that cloud would lift. Moses would go back to the tent. But Joshua just lingered. Walk into the tent. Doesn't say what he would do. But he just wanted to be in that place where Moses had met the Lord. And he just stayed and lingered in that tent. It's probably an indication of when Moses passed off the scene that Joshua was the one that took his place. And Joshua himself was led of the Lord and God spoke to Joshua. And Joshua led them into the promised land. I think somehow as just an assistant to Moses, there was a hunger in Joshua's heart just to linger, just to stay. Do you sense this? Folks, we're talking about characteristics that will bring you into a personal relationship, meeting the risen Savior, having him talk to you, and you sensing his presence and his leading and his direction, lifting it beyond head knowledge to something that you have experienced. If you seek him with all your heart, you'll find them. This is a characteristic that you just want to wait. I don't want to go home. I just need to stay here. Somehow the Lord was in this place. So I just want to position myself. I just want to be here. I want, I want to sense this presence, believing that the Lord would speak to you. You know, my mind goes back, and I've shared this before. When I was in university, and there was a youth convention in Belleville, Ontario, and I was there with a number of other young people, and the speaker gave a call to, to the youth to dedicate themselves to the Lord. And uh, I remember going forward and uh, kneeling down at the altar and, and giving my heart to the Lord afresh and anew, and for his plan for my life. And, uh, and then as times around the altar would happen, people would get up and leave, and I was aware that my friends were, we were all planning to go to the restaurant together after, and, and uh, it was sort of time to get up and to go, but I just felt a sense, just a linger, that the, the, the desire to be in the presence of the Lord was stronger than any other desire. Just to linger, just to be there, just to wait on the Lord. And I remember just staying there for the next half hour to an hour, just, just as the place cleared out, but just staying at the front, just lingering in the presence of the Lord. I look back at it now and I see those were the moments when God called me and and it was shortly after that that I left university and I went to Bible college and, and, and lots of things transpired. But I believe it was in those moments the Lord sees the desire to linger, 
just to stay. The disciples didn't see the Lord at that moment, but Mary did because she lingered. She stayed there. Now let's move on and see what it says. Here's the next character. She persisted in her pursuit. As she was lingering, it says here, and she wept, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. She's there. She's already been there. She's already looked in the tomb. But now it's like fresh and anew. She's lingering. She looks back into the tomb. There, there, there's a continual pursuit. It's not, well, I tried and, you know, something should have happened. There was just a hunger that was drawing her to the Lord and to, to sense the Lord and to be there at the tomb. And as she's waiting at the tomb, she looks into the tomb. Now, I put this statement in your notes because I think it's so true. Everyone's journey to meet Christ starts at the cross and leads to the empty tomb. You're not going to meet Christ without going to the cross. You have to go to the place where he offered his life for ours. You have to go to the place of salvation. You've got to kneel at the foot of the cross. That's the beginning of the journey. You, you can't come apart from what Christ did on the cross. You're not going to meet God. You're not going to sense God just by sort of going to, trying to do an end run around, or I'm just a spiritual person, and so God speaks. No, you are going to have to come through the cross. That's where the journey starts. You kneel at the cross. It will lead you to the empty tomb. And at the empty tomb, you'll see this one that died for you and took your sins is also risen, and he's alive, and you're able to meet him. You're able to encounter him. But it's that pursuit. It's the journey coming to the Lord, which brings us to the next characteristic. Her spiritual eyes were opened. Her spiritual eyes were opened. It says in verse 12, And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Suddenly, she had a spiritual awareness that she didn't have before. She saw a spiritual realm that even the disciples didn't see. It says that they went in the tomb. They saw her, the clothing there. Didn't say that they saw the angels. You have to assume the angels were there all along. They just didn't see it. And that can be the danger. If you come with your intellect first and you just come with natural understanding and a natural search, you're going to miss spiritual things. You'll be able to see natural things and natural, but, but you won't sense the spiritual until your heart opens and you can see spiritual things. There's a spiritual awareness that comes. Do you know that there's angels in this place here this morning? Yeah. They're here. We don't see them with natural eyes. The presence of the Lord is here. But you won't sense it with just a natural feeling. It's a spiritual awareness. There's an openness that goes past your intellect, past your reasoning. It doesn't mean that we don't bring our reasoning and that we don't bring questions. 
It's just that you're not coming mind first, you're coming heart first. The song we sang this morning with hands lifted up, that's your search for God. And with a heart wide open. Our hearts have to be open. Your spiritual heart has to be open. You have to be able to go past just my intellect. There, there's always a step of faith. There, there's always a something, I have to accept something that I can't explain. And I can't tell you why this is happening. And I'm not going to reject it because I can't explain it. But I just want to experience your presence, Lord. And it's in those moments that he shows you things. It's a spiritual awareness that Mary had in this pursuit of the Lord. Her eyes were open to see angels. You know, there's, there's the verse when um, in the Bible where the disciples are talking to Thomas and telling them that they had seen the risen Lord. Or Thomas brings his intellect and he says, how can this be? And he says, you know what, I'm not going to believe unless I can put my fingers in the holes in his hand or I put my fist into his side, I won't believe. Well, in that moment, Jesus appears in the room. And Jesus says to Thomas, Thomas, come here, put your fingers in the nail prints. Put your fist in the side. He said, you've seen and you believe that there's going to be people coming that have not seen and yet they will believe. He's talking about us. I haven't put my fingers in the Lord's hand. But I believe. And then Jesus makes this, this statement to Thomas, which is so powerful, in John 27 and verse 20. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. You can choose to believe. You can choose to say, I'm just going to be open to this. I'm not going to shut down because I can't explain this or this seems weird, whatever. Just don't shut down. Just say, Lord, I'm going to believe. The Bible says you have to come like a little child. And I have found that times of a breakthrough and coming into a new relationship with the Lord many times is when I just have to believe. And I just say, Lord, I'm open to don't close your heart to things. Be open. Now, God will, if you've got a sincere heart, he will spare you from going down wrong alleys because he knows our heart. But if you can just say, Lord, I'm open to hear more of you. Maybe I was taught this is wrong. Maybe I said this is, my friends have told me this is foolishness. Just say, Lord, but I'm open to what you have. I want to be believing, not unbelieving. And the Bible says these signs will follow them that believe. God will give you the evidence after you believe, but you need to believe first. Now that takes us to the next point. Her intense longing was noticed. As she's looking into the tomb and she sees the angels, they speak to her. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have lain him. Don't know where they've laid him. She's weeping. Now it's interesting that the angels would say, why are you weeping? The, they took notice of her strong desire, her strong longing, whatever that was within her. 
the intensity that was causing her to weep. And when they tried to say, like, why are you doing this? She said, they've taken my Lord. I don't, they don't know where they've laid him. She comes back to the search for Jesus, to know Jesus, to see Jesus, to experience Jesus. And, and really, in a sense, whether it's dead or alive, she doesn't know at this point. She's just saying, I just want Jesus. Folks, there's a simplicity in that that's powerful. I just want Jesus. There's a lot of trappings around Jesus. A lot of doctrines, a lot of teachings, a lot of barriers can be put around. But I tell you, if your heart is such that you say, I just want Jesus, heaven notices that. Now that takes us to our next point. Jesus responded to her cry to know him. Jesus responds. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, now listen, same question. Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Did Jesus not know who, why she was weeping? Did he not know who she was seeking? But I'm telling you, folks, this is a process that, that screens out those that have other motives. He says, what's the moving drive within you? Why are you crying? Why are you so stirred inwardly? What's causing your tears? Who are you seeking? It's interesting. But the Lord will pose this question to your heart. What are you really after? What are you longing for? Almost, why are you seeking me? Are you seeking me for the things I can do for you? Are you seeking me so I can bless your plans? What are you really seeking here? What, what, what's the drive of your heart? Now, I tell you, Mary, she speaks back. She doesn't know it's Jesus. She thinks it's the gardener. Listen to what she says. She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. It's like her heart comes right back to Jesus. I just want to know where he is. If you're the one that's moved him, just tell me where he is. I just want to be where he is. And it's like this is what focuses your search and brings the intensity of the relationship is when you just want the Lord, not what he can do for you, not the periphery things. I just want to be with Jesus. These are characteristics of this first person that met the risen Savior. Now listen, to what the response is. Jesus personally called her name. It's in that moment as she has clarified what she's after that Jesus just simply says, Mary. I don't know what it was in calling her name. I don't know whether she recognized that's how he always addressed her. 
I don't know if there was another spiritual awakening, but somehow, just as he called her name, she knew who he was. She knew he was, she was in his presence. Have you ever heard the Lord call your name? I'm not talking about physically hearing it, but you knew, he knew who you were or who you are. He knows everything about you. He's calling you. In that calling of your name is a call to him. It's, it's a sense of saying, I know all about you, Mary. I want to know you. We can have a relationship. We're here together. She knew it was the Lord. There's, there is a powerful experience in this that you can't describe it. It's like, how do you put words around it? I don't know. Even Jesus said to Nicodemus, you know this experience of being born again and experiencing my spirit? It's like the wind. You know, you don't see it directly. You just see the effects of it. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. There's somehow, as you're seeking the Lord, you can't ferret it all out in your mind. But somehow, as you have a pure heart for God, he will reveal himself to you. And you'll know he loves you, and he cares for you, and he's got a plan for your life, and he knows all about you, and you just feel the warmth of his presence, and you want to stay there forever. This is what it is to know the Lord and to meet the risen Savior. What is Mary's response? She responded with a teachable heart. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to be, uh, which is to say teacher. She just responds with an openness of saying, what do you want me to do? Teach me. She didn't come with any agenda. She didn't come with conditions. She just said, teacher. Almost like when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Isaiah says, I'm a sinful man, depart from me. And it's almost like he went through his own cross where the Lord took the, the coal from the altar and touched him and purified him. And then he heard a voice saying, who will go for us? Who will we send? And, and it's the same response came out of Isaiah's mouth. He said, Lord, here am I. Send me. This is almost what, what Mary said. Lord, Lord, here I am. Teacher, teacher, I'm open. Teacher. This is what it means to be a disciple. When I was studying Greek, the word disciple comes from the Greek word mantano, which means to learn. And it simply means a disciple is one who will learn. If you're a disciple of someone, you're there to learn. You're not there to instruct. You're not there to analyze. You're not there to question everything that's said. No, you're, you're just there and saying, here am I, send me. I don't know where you want me to do, go. I don't know what you want me to Lord, here am I. I'm your disciple. Teach me your ways. Change my understanding of things. I'm, I'm open to you, Lord. Teacher, teacher, 
This is what happens as you meet the risen Savior. These are the responses that it produces within you. I just want to serve you, Lord, teacher. It brings us to our last characteristic. She left on a mission to tell others. She left on a mission to tell others. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. This is what happens when you meet the risen Savior. It's not for you alone, but now you're yielding to the Lord to say, Lord, use me. He's the head, we're the body. What the Lord is going to do in this earth today, he's going to, as someone said, he has no hands but our hands, he has no feet but our feet. He's going to speak through you. We are the body of Christ in the world today. He prompts us, he leads us, he guides us. And so we're just following that leading. All of this comes out of meeting the risen Savior. It's not out of duty. It's not, well, I have to do this. No, it, it, there's an inner drive. You've met the risen Savior. He, you've met him, and you want to tell other people you've met, you've met him. And, and you go in, into all the world, and that's, you know, he gave her a commission. And, and before he ascended into heaven, he gave them a commission. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and baptize them. And then he said, and, and teach them the things I've taught them. Make disciples. We're, we're not just to gather people into a room or just people that will say, okay, I accept Christ. The Lord wants people that have met him, people that have experienced his presence, that are energized by his spirit. And we're going forward in that enjoyment. It's the thing that causes you to jump up and run all the seven miles back to Jerusalem because they had met the risen Savior. This is what we need. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses to me. These are the characteristics of Mary who met the risen Savior. I wonder if you stand with me this morning. Is there a desire to uh, meet him? Now, it doesn't mean that we've never met him before, but there are levels of experience with the Lord. We can go deeper and deeper in relationships with the Lord. And if you have a desire this morning, I want to know him more. I want, to, I want to experience his presence. I don't want to just know about him. I want to know him. I want to see the risen Savior. I tell you, it's there for you. Seek him with all your heart. Maybe a place to start this morning is at the cross. I'm sure most everyone here this morning have accepted the Lord. But maybe there's some here this morning and you realize, you know, I've been by the cross. I've heard about the cross. But I've never bowed at the foot of the cross and yielded my life to the Lord. I've never truly taken him as my Savior and my Lord. 
I want you to just to do that right now. Would you just bow with me? And just, this is your first step on your spiritual journey. Just bow at the foot of the cross. Lord, right now, as we stand in this place, Lord, you know everyone here. Lord, would you just open their spiritual eyes? May they have a spiritual awareness that you're calling their name. And Lord, may they respond and say yes to you and yield their life, receive you as their Lord and Savior right now in this simple moment. May that happen in the lives of men and women and young people here this morning. And Lord, help us then to move on to the empty tomb and to seek your presence in the reality of knowing you. Guide each of us, Lord. Take us deeper in the things of you. May our spiritual journey just continue day after day, day after day. May all of these things we spoke about this morning, Lord, may it be real in my life, and may they be real in the lives of everyone here today. Lord, cause us to rise up and be your people, a body of people that have experienced your life and are living in relationship with you. I pray and ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said...